You're listening to Youth Ministry Maverick, a podcast about mold-breaking methods to invest in the next generation of the church. Here's your host, Jeff Harding. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff. Welcome back to Youth Ministry Maverick. You're listening to Episode 7, All for One. Family ministry is a topic that I was going to get to eventually on this podcast, as it is very central to what I do and to what youth ministry is all about. Uh, But since a few listeners recently messaged me on social media saying that it was at the top of their list on what they wanted to hear, I moved it to the top of my list. So we are beginning discussion on family ministry on today's episode, and joining me for that first discussion is my good friend and co-worker, Carrie Jane Smith. Carrie Jane is the children's director at my church. She has been here uh, for over 20 years. She is fantastic at what she does. We have worked closely with each other, with some parents, uh, with the church staff on developing resources and a foundation for unifying and streamlining our family ministry. And streamlining family ministry is where I wanted to start because I truly believe that's how you have a successful family ministry that has a good foundation for discipleship, uh, building on content and experience from the previous grade as the child grows older, and it really champions the idea of transitioning well. So let's go ahead and hop into that discussion. Carrie Jane, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Jeff. It's a joy to be here. Uh, so Carrie Jane, or KJ, as I like to call you, uh, for those who don't know you, can you give us a quick overview of who you are and what you're up to these days? Okay. So I'm Carrie Jane Smith, and I have had the honor of being on staff at our church for over 20 years as the director of the children's ministry, and I've taught preschool and um, elementary and in the past, before I became um, the director here. And I have a great husband. We have two grown kids who have given us a whole ton of grandkids that we just enjoy tremendously. Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, as I mentioned in the intro, today we'll be talking about family ministry on the episode. Uh, this is a topic that was on my list to cover in the future. But we've had a few listeners recently message me uh, saying that this was toward the top of their list of what they wanted to hear about. Um, A youth ministry should be part of a healthy and united family ministry. Children's ministry and youth ministry can be healthy, but does that always imply unity as well? KJ, let's talk about how we have experienced these ministries working together personally and professionally. Let's start with personally. Um, How did children's ministry help you uh, when you transitioned into youth ministry as a teenager? That is a really good question, and I don't know that I've thought about it, or at least not in a very long time. So um, growing up as a child, personally, 
going to church was very important. I think we were there very frequently, and I loved it. But when we got when I got into Sunday school with elementary age children, I began to feel like I wasn't quite getting everything they were getting. And by that, I mean, I, I didn't know all the books of the Bible in order. I didn't always have an offering to check on the little box of the envelope that I did that or that I brought my Bible. And I didn't know all the stories and how they connected together as well as I felt other kids did. However, when the teacher would gather us and tell a story, a Bible story with the Bible open on her lap, she would point, I remember one teacher would point to artwork on the walls from her file of stories, I'm sure, and ask us to raise our hand if we thought we could find the story, the picture that was next in sequence for the story. And I loved doing that. So I I think that it was the story that captured me first and the art. And then my, um, I just feel like my, the spark was ignited in my heart and mind when I got into youth ministry um, as a 14-year-old girl, um, choir and the youth pastor and um, just the activities they planned for us during the summer of before my freshman year in high school, I became pretty passionate about being involved in everything and growing and learning more. So I began to see how important it is for that foundation to be laid, for that very concrete thinker that I was. And it wasn't laid as well at church as it could have been. However, at home, it was. Um, I saw my parents living out the stories. Whether I knew them clearly or not, I saw them giving sacrificially and serving others and being very hospitable in our home. And my dad preparing to teach first grade Sunday school lessons with his Bible open on a Saturday night, many, many times. And so um, I think I answered your question in a roundabout way. You definitely did. Um, And I think for me, when I think about children's ministry um, as a child, I remember, you know, I remember the, the names of some of my Sunday school teachers. I remember pancake breakfasts, um, And I remember really good storytellers. Um, Of course, we had the almighty flannel graph, um, but uh, really just also big portraits and other things they would use um, with the Bible as well and encouraging us to read a portion of the story if if we could as they're going through each verse. And um, I got a book of Bible trivia um, from my fifth grade Sunday school teacher at the end of the year that I still use with my own students today because it has a lot of fun questions and it's worded in a, in a tricky way to think about. Um, but I remember when I got into youth ministry and the first thing that we talked about was character and identity and who are you, which is basically the foundation of um, what guides a teenager and even adults is, who am I? What's my identity? And I remember that was like a very obvious switch 
for me to realize, okay, we're going to talk about more than just Bible stories and singing songs and things like that. But because I had all of that as a foundation in children's ministry, I felt like I was decently prepared for what I did learn and experience. And the, the biggest thing for me in youth ministry was relationships. And, you know, when you're um, growing up in children's ministry, um, sometimes you're um, privileged enough to know kids from preschool or even earlier all the way through if you're at the same church. And I was privileged to have several friends that I met before I remembered in the church nursery. Um, and several of them were my groomsmen at my wedding because we stayed connected all these years, all the way through. And um, so I remember um, in, in some subtle ways how, ch- how children's ministry built that. Um, but I still think, as, as you kind of mentioned, I think the church still could have done a better job in uniting how across the board children's and youth ministries um, came together. And so um, secondly, to add on to that, on the professional side, how have you imagined and crafted content in children's ministry over the years to try laying a foundation for what students will hear as teenagers and even as adults as far as their faith goes? Mm, Good question. And honestly, when you ask that, I feel like I haven't done enough. That's kind of my personality. (laughs) But we have really um, here as a team done a lot to change that in the last 10 years, for sure, seven years actively. Um, So you know, choosing a curriculum is a large part of a children's ministry director's job. And I've used many, and some are excellent at um, guiding a teacher how to teach a child about the Bible and about what to believe. Some are less than. It's more about just having fun and hoping that They'll keep coming back to have a good time. So there's a balance there. And through during these last um, five to seven years, we've really made an intentional effort to be sure here at church we are um, crafting curriculum or, or um, using curriculum and methods that invite um, children and families to grow together. And so we know it's not just going to happen on a Sunday morning. We must give parents and caregivers and grandparents tools and um, how to really live this out at home. What does a disciple look like? And it's much more than just a Sunday morning. And so we've tried to really be intentional about um, teaching a child that God loves them and um, you're going to get into this a little bit more, I think, in a minute on how we break that down into pieces. And so I think I'll just stop with that. Yeah. Um, well, it certainly has been a process, and uh, I am the same way. I am I'm always one who thinks I could do more. Uh, I haven't done enough, and that's my wrestling with pretty much probably you could say my own idols in life of trying to be mm-hmm. relevant and always 
on and always recognized for doing the, the best work. Um, but we've both mentioned it in part already. Um, but if we think the local church family ministry should seek unity as part of overall health and spiritual efficacy, uh, I think a practical outline would help those who are involved in their own church ministries and who probably messaged saying, I want to hear about family ministry. Uh, and I'm going to use a word that might send chills down your spine from memories of childhood or maybe a smile because you're trying to do it yourself lately, and that's the word catechism. Uh, it might bring images of big, heavy theology volumes, um, memorizing right answers, and perhaps for you, just going through the motions when you went through catechism uh, of being a good Christian or being a good church goer. Um, so KJ, let's talk about how we have adopted and approached the idea of catechism, not only for our family ministry, but really for our entire church body. Um, we developed it through trial and error, but also through prayer, uh, a lot of collaboration with um, all the staff and being led by the Spirit and looking at the history of the church and how they've built discipleship. Um, the doctrinal statement of our church is the Nicene Creed, um, which might be a, a, a little different than several other churches. If you go to a church website and click, what do we believe? Um, they'll pretty much go through what we took from the creed and developed for this catechism process for our students, for our children. Um, and uh, it's basically, we believe God is uh, in three persons. Uh, we believe that Jesus is the only Son of God. He's the Messiah. We believe that he, he died on the cross, all those things. And so what we have done with the Nicene Creed, um, which is from the historical church context, um, we believe that um, this is what all believers should y unite around and uh, take forward uh, when they learn about who God is, when they advance their own faith and tell others what they believe. Um, so we, we took the creed and divided it up into um, several sections. And from that, we gleaned seven theological points or summary ideas that we think um, every good disciple um, should know and should learn about more. Um, so we divided them up into those seven are God loves us, Jesus comes to us, God renews us, God speaks to us, the Holy Spirit lives in us, God sends us, and Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm looking across the room at the other side of the paper. Here we go. Uh, Jesus Christ reigns over us. Thank you. I knew it was more words than I thought. Um, so uh, those seven ideas, um, obviously they have a lot of theological weight and references um, behind them. And if you were to read um, some of these um, statements of what those summary ideas mean, um, not only just a child, but even um, a student in youth ministry or even an adult um, might not be able to fully comprehend and, and repeat back what you just said to them. So obviously um, you need to take those and not water them down, but be able to break them into digestible pieces and use that in your 
curriculum, use it for your activities, service projects, um, resources that parents can have at home. And so uh, what Carrie Jane and Pam, our nursery and preschool director, did a few years ago is we used the structure of know, be, and do, and took all these seven statements and thought, when you're in pre-K, when you're in second grade, when you're in fifth grade, when you're in high school, um, what should you know about this idea? Um, What should you be in light of it and what should you aim to do? And so Carrie Jane and I have different uh, points. I have point number five, which is the Holy Spirit lives in us. And KJ, you have God sends us. Um, So God sends us is based off the section of the Nicene Creed that says, we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. Now, uh, if you're listening to this and you get hung up on the word Catholic, the actual meaning of the word Catholic is global. So we're talking about the global church, all believers, and it's the church that was started and sent out from Jesus, from the Great Commission to his apostles, the apostolic church. And so we learned that Jesus um, is the head of the church. The church is the bride of Christ. Um, There's the communion of saints being made holy by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which was my point that I'll get to in a second, and that we're learning how to make disciples and grow as disciples. But what would someone in pre-K learn about that or know about that? So, uh, KJ, what did we come up with for those younger ages and how they break up knowledge, who they are, and what they're to do in in light of that? Oh, yes. I'm happy to tell you. Um, What we would hope for a child that's four years old, for instance, to know about this is that they would know the church is God's family, that they would be one who is secure as a son or daughter of God, and that they would develop friends at church, and then for do, that they would freely worship God with their church family and thank God for the church. So we do welcome children to come and worship with us in the sanctuary for a certain portion of the service or for all of it. And we also do some worship songs in our classrooms for that worshiping part. For a concrete thinker in second or third, fourth grade, um, we would hope that they would know that there are two sacraments that Christ gave to his church, baptism and the Eucharist, the communion. And we would want them to know that the church is the body of Christ, and we would teach that through Scripture. And we would pray that they would be one who is growing in love for God through worship and with their church family. We often pray in our class that we will love God more at the end of the morning or the end of the day than we did when we woke up. And that's a a way I teach that every week. Um, That they would grow in love for others and the ability to share the reason for that love. That's very important to grow and to share, to verbalize it. And then to do, what would we hope a child would do with this? Well, that they would view the church as God's people worshiping and serving in his name around the world 
and maybe desire to engage in a way with people around the world. And one way we do that is we have a missions moment each Sunday, or we try to, and we focus on a missionary that our church supports somewhere in the world, and we pray for them. Sometimes we pretend we're going on a trip over the ocean to see them. Um, often they come to us, and we give we are honored by their time with us, and they talk to us about what they're doing and about what the culture is like. We want a child to have their um, their desire to know that, or their ability to know that God is active and working. The gospel is changing people around the world, and they can be part of that. I love it. I love it. Um, and with something that for me, I think for all of us, is still probably one of the more difficult things to understand and view in our daily lives, which is the Holy Spirit, which seems very abstract. Um, as a child, uh, you know, we, we want to make sure that they know the Holy Spirit is our helper and that it's God within us. And we want children to thank the Holy Spirit for taking care of them, for being a comforter, to be a real sign that God is always present with them. And then fast forwarding to youth ministry, um, as far as the B, um, what are we to be in, in light of that? Throughout uh, Scripture, we see and there are lists of spiritual gifts. And so we want students to understand that they're um, given those and, and provided those for the edification and building up of the church, the proclamation of the gospel, and making disciples. It's a spiritual gift, so you shouldn't just use it for yourself. You should give it to others, and it should be used to glorify God. Um, and all of these uh, statements, as far as um, breaking them down, it seems, uh, well, and that doesn't seem, it is easy to put everything on paper and say, here's the right answer, here's how we do it. But I think what many of you listening have run into, and certainly what we have, is when you do ministry, um, things rarely gl- things rarely go as you plan them. Um, you always get that curveball question from a student. Um, you'll have an interruption because of a church-wide event or something else. And um, the coronavirus. The, yeah, <laughs> you know, you know, we have a worldwide pandemic. Uh-huh. Uh, you can't really account for that and plan for that on your three-year plan. Um, so when we are doing these, we always do them. I think we always try to do them with the knowledge that look, this is the goal. This is the outline. Mm-hmm. Um, something that uh, I talk to parents about. And I've tried to from day one, even when uh, I was in seminary and, and everything else is, you know, it's not um, my job or it's not even the church's job to completely train and build up and guide your students with their faith. As parents, you're the primary leaders and disciple makers of your family um and so we want to equip you and so a, a line that my my that our parents have heard me say 
multiple times is uh, the number one main job of my job description is to equip and help you. And so, um, uh, yeah, I, we, we've had several ideas of how to implement this with parent resources. I would love to hear from some of you who are listening what you've come up with as far as here are the things that we think are important and here's how we're going to apply them and deliver them with our in our classrooms and our small groups to the parents and homes. Um, so, uh, KJ, what are some things that we've talked about? Maybe haven't initiated yet, but I've talked about maybe maybe this would be a good way, or maybe that would be a good way to get all of these points and this information uh, into the homes of our of our students and our children. Mm, yeah. We have um, we have made little posters and just um, you know simple ones like God loves us and we've asked the teachers to teach the scripture that is behind those statements mm-hmm. God sends us God loves us and the portion of the Nicene Creed there and then those teachers have often sent that home to the parents and encourage them to work on that. We've um, thought about sending it home via a newsletter and um, that didn't quite get off the ground yet, but I think that would be a great way to electronically communicate these things and encourage parents. Um, We definitely use these ideas even in the songs that we choose to sing And we hear that um, children are singing those songs at home. And those are intentionally chosen. Do the parents always know exactly why that was chosen? I don't know yet. So we need to do a better job at that. And um, I love that our church has preached through this from the pulpit a couple of times. And it's we're trying to weave it into our everyday language with our families and with the, with the whole church. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think what the thing that you just said and touched on is important and probably not what everyone listening has at their church, especially maybe if they're at a large church or even a mega church. Um, one thing that we talked about as a staff, um, over the last year, especially is, um, our goal is twice a year as an entire church to be talking about the same thing from the pulpit, children's ministry, youth ministry, adult classes, everything. And I think the bigger your church is, um, it might be in practice easier to, to, to make that happen. But I think practically and the reality is it's probably difficult to make that happen, and it probably doesn't happen. Um, I was born and raised in a large church, um, Trinity, uh, the church I'm at now with Carrie Jane. This is by far the smallest church I've ever worked at, um, and uh, it's 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 a lot easier for for our church. And the bigger your church is, I feel like the more uh, temptation or the easier it is to make each ministry its own silo and to not really have it part of the one 
unified church. Uh, we can talk about how we're, we're part of the church, but I think we have to do more than just talk about it or more than just have students do some things in the worship service. Um, I know some churches that I've seen or, and heard about from, from people, they have students on um, the church leadership team, whether it's talking with the elders, whether it's part of a um, overall leadership group or a committee, um, which I think is great. But I think the actual content in each ministry and class and small group and family ministry, if it's all on the same page all the time um, and not just twice a year, um, then that really speeds up. It really makes everything rich and it makes everything very palpable and almost tangible where you can see, hold, and do things, um, whether you're learning, whether it's hands-on stuff, um, all of that, when you can say, okay, now I see how I've built this. And parents can see that. And uh, even if it's not being said from the pulpit or in adult in adult classrooms, I think the bare minimum that we've realized over the years of building this project is if every church had a clear plan um, with results and examples of how from the time kids enter the nursery and are hearing songs and starting to get exposed to Bible stories and everything else, all the way through high school graduation, um, I think that would be a huge game changer. Um, And I don't really see that happening a whole lot. It's hopefully happening more than it used to. But um, the one thing about my church when I was growing up, and KJ, maybe maybe the same for you, it sounds like maybe for us we had good experiences and we saw how it was healthy and there were good things that happened. But as far as being streamlined and united, that was not the case at all for me and maybe not for you. You too, I'm guessing. Yes, that's exactly right. And so I did not capture the imagination for the um, narrative, the story, the whole story of Scripture and how it's all connected until I read a book by Edith Schaefer called Christianity is Jewish, and I was in my 30s going to church nearly every Sunday, and it was the first time I was exposed to the idea of that scarlet thread that runs from Genesis to Revelation, that it's all connected. And I, it just changed my life. Um, yeah. I, and then on the whole idea of catechism, I'm one of those that kind of had a, like a uncomfortable feeling when I heard that word at first until I learned it's a method of teaching, intentional teaching. Yeah. And, one of the books that we read was um, by J.I. Packer and Gary Parrott, Grounded in the Gospel, as we worked on this project. And I wrote in the back of the book a phrase I just loved. He said in the book, keep our eyes on the prize as we catechize. And what's the prize? You know, it's it's children growing into youth, growing into young adults, growing into 
um, being parents and contributing to society, growing into senior citizens who are obsessed with Christ and who, when they're squeezed and when hard days come, it's Jesus that comes out. It's um, love. They are soaking in the truth that God loves them and has a plan. And it's good. It may not be easy. There will be hard days, but it is good because God is good. And when you catechize and spend time on those little seeds, we have to plant those little seeds in order for something beautiful to grow. And it is everybody doing it together. It is home. It is um, church. And it is basically inspiring. There's, there's a big, big God who loves you so much. Let's get to know him better. Let's get to know him better and his story. And then you can't help but tell it. Absolutely. And that kind of brings us full circle back to the excitement and idea of telling a good story. Um, and, you know, when I was talking earlier, I realized that some of what I was saying could be construed as, well, we need to find good points of, of data and make sure this is all lined up and we have a good structure. And that's all good. But as I mentioned before that, um, best laid plans, right? We can plan out everything to a T. And I don't know if anyone in the history of a local church with an outline Everything happened exactly as I thought it would every second of that lesson and time and in a, in a classroom or a small group. Um, and so you can have the best data, have the best structure, but if God doesn't show up and if you are realizing that you're more dependent on your effort, your intellect, your spirituality uh, and, and holiness um, I was at a, a conference once and um, one of the speakers asked a question uh, in the middle of her talk. And she said, how many of you have realized or, or do you know if the spirit has even left your ministry and it's just your hollow words? And man, that hit me right between the eyes. And, wow. and I think when we get involved in talking about here's how this makes sense and breaks down into this point and concrete and abstract. And, you know, um, it's good to plan and to use the minds and gifts that God has given us. We want, we want to be prepared. We don't just want to say, well, I guess this is good stuff. So I'll just read it and, and do it. But at the same time, preparation and, and delivery and structure can also become an idol and something that we think, well, this is the most important thing. If a child leaves a classroom or a small group and doesn't hear or comprehend that God loves them, the rest of it doesn't matter at all. Right. And that is why um, things like family ministry and the church overall, as we go through history and learn from our mistakes and improve things, think they're improved and then later realized, oh, we're going in the wrong direction. That's why the bride of Christ needs to talk with one another. That's why we need hands and feet and eyes and ears and all of that. 
uh, as Paul talked about um, in the New Testament, with our spiritual gifts, all of us have different gifts, and it's going to be a big group um, discussion and, and collaboration. But most of all, before trying to depend on one another, first we need to depend on God. We need to depend and know and trust that He has planned everything out, He is sovereign. And that we are part of that plan and then to depend on one another because that's the way we were designed. And that's why COVID and quarantine has been very difficult because that physical interaction and talking and even just the presence is so important to who we are at the core Mm -hmm. of us as human beings. And that's been taken from us. And it's finally coming back together. Uh, This is... Uh, episode seven, and this is the first in-person in interview. Um, we are in our big conference room, and KJ is all the way at the other end of our big Hello. long table. <laughs> um, and uh, when we have that um, personal meeting and, and connection, it's a, it's a powerful thing, and that's why I think um, it's good advice that I've heard, and I need to preach to myself is. Students, aren't going to remember week three of your series on greed and what the first, second, and, and third uh, questions were. They're going to remember if their leaders cared for them, listened, um, provided a safe space, got invested in their lives outside of church. And um, that's one of the big reasons why um, youth ministry has made such a huge impact on me, but really the church overall. And um, I think about um, the hundreds and hundreds of relationships and people that I've met and know that I wouldn't have ever had if it hadn't been for the church. I could have gone to a really small church and had a good faith, and that would have been good because that would have been God's plan for me. And there are some of you who are at a really small church. We're at a small church too. Um, And it's not based on the number of people that are in your life. But if you have really good connections and relationships with people, you know how exciting and valuable that is. So when you get the chance to make more of those, um, man, it's, it's exciting because you get to add to your experience, add to your own perspective and really see the other gifts um, that God has given others that you don't have that you need. And that's why our ministry needs all of us, not just one of us. That's why I'm convinced that both children's and youth ministry uh, in in modern times probably wouldn't exist if it wasn't for people who volunteered their 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 time and not get paid to be the professional Christian, as, as it were. But really, just they have a family, they have a job, but they um, almost like KJ, like you said, w- with your dad on Saturday night, the Bible open, preparing to teach and knowing the importance of it. Um, that's what the church needs. We need um, to come together and realize that um, it's a selfless job. It, it can be a thankless job, but I think the, the rewards are seen in the very long term and seeds being planted and the smiles that we see on kids' faces. Um, when someone says to us years later, hey, I never told you, but that made a, a difference in my life and that was important to me. And that's better than any right answer with hand raised to all the questions I had asked could could ever be. Um, mm-hmm. And so 
as I've kind of talked about that, I've kind of insinuated that the way I've done ministry, and I think we've both talked about how we've had to kind of change and transform how we look at how to do ministry well together and what it truly means to come together and unite as a church. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to end with uh, a word uh, of encouragement. So, uh, Kara Jane, what would you say to those in children's ministry who are hesitant to change their structure or their approach to doing ministry, especially those who have done it for decades? And then maybe in that, what have you learned through this multi-year process of catechism and trying to streamline our, our ministries? Okay, so I think we're going to have to have another hour. <laughs> sure. <laughs> no. Bring it on. <laughs> so um, to encourage others. Oh, yes. Um, first, of course, prayerfully submit thoughts and ideas and your heart's desire to the Lord God. And it does take um, collaboration. It's, it really does. You cannot do something like this alone. So working with the pastor and the um, youth minister, if you have a separate nursery person, that was critical for us. And um, we involved the women's ministry. We involved um, the people involved with missions. I mean, we involved a lot of people. And then for families and teachers, it starts slow and small. And like I said, it's those little seeds that are planted and um, one story at a time, one truth at a time. As you look for how you're building a disciple and what you hope a disciple will look like. So I just encourage you to prayer, pray about it, have people around you that you can talk with about it and plan through the, the um the methods you would use and then um do it little by little small and it really helps if you're if the pastor is fully supportive and so that takes time sometimes too i understand so and then um what have i learned was that the question, Jeff? Yeah. Uh, what have you learned uh, over the years that we've been doing and building this oh, yes. structure of catechism and, and, and le- learning objectives and su- summary ideas uh, right. and all that? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that was hard. <laughs> we, yeah. I would pull my hair out and say, I don't know. I don't know how to put this into a summary idea or a, a question or a no or a be or a do. And sometimes we would just say, okay, we got to stop today because usually we were doing that together, Jeff and Pam and I. Um, and sometimes we would just have to put it down and say, we'll come back to this next week. And that was a joy because we were really honest with one another. And if we, if I suggested something and the others thought, no, that's not quite where it's supposed to go, they would tell me that. And, um, we would go back to the drawing board or, look at scripture again and see, well, what am I, what are we missing here? Um, it was just wonderful. It, I, even if sometimes those meetings were hard, I always was encouraged at the end because the goal is the prize is a healthy growing disciple. 
And so it was worth every effort we put towards it. What have I learned? I'm still learning. And I, as we look at all this to do this podcast, I'm realizing I can't wait to get back to this. We've kind of, because of what's been happening, had a little bit of a a sabbatical from this, so to speak. And I want to get back to it and encourage parents and give them the tools to help them disciple their own kids. Yeah, I, I agree. And I love that. I, I think, um, I, I know some of you listening, it depends your, what your job looks like and your contacts could be very different. You could be at a large church. And if you were to get your youth team and your children's team all together, it might be a room of 20 people. Um, and so some of you are youth and children's and you're one person. Um, but I think across the board, uh, Carrie Jane gave great examples. You should be talking with um, everyone in your church who's in leadership, especially on staff, um, about um, things that you can incorporate into your content, how those ministries can work together. Um, and I think for me lately, I've been trying to distinguish between, okay, this was good, but I want to make it better um, versus what's best for the kids in my ministry right now. And something that may have worked even two years ago might not be the best approach for the kids in your ministry um, because they're different, they um, have different experiences, they might um, just need a, a different approach to be able to learn that same truth or to understand in a, in a vivid way what you're trying to talk about. And uh, being part of a small church, um, you might do um, what I do and what Carrie Jane does, and we, we leave many things the same, but I think every year, excuse me, <laughs> every year, um, we try and adapt and slightly change up how we approach programming or events um, or really what we should hone in on because being part of a small church each year when the class moves up or graduates, things get mixed up a decent amount as compared to maybe if you're in a very large ministry. Um, and so Yes, it's important to try and do everything that you can the best way that you think it'll get across. But I think just as important, what's the best thing and the best way to get something across to the students that you have in your ministry right now? I think that that's just as important. Um, and without those two things coming and being part of your ministry in an equal way, I think we can kind of lean toward one side or the other, and it's not really complete. Um, so, yes, I'm, I'm excited for you to um, join us in, in the future. Um, and thank you so much, KJ, for being part of the podcast. And, uh, you know, this is a complex yet necessary process of streamlining f family ministry and really trying to think about how is a child's uh, journey of growing in their faith, how can it be um, built upon from 
pre-K, elementary school, and junior high and in high school. And it takes dialogue, it takes trial and error, and it takes um, mistakes, <laughs> mm-hmm. laughing at those, and mm-hmm. um, really kind of uh, admiring how, how God has been at work and the stories that have come out of those. So thank you. Thank you, Jeff. That concludes today's episode of Youth Ministry Maverick. Thanks again to Carrie Jane for joining me for a great discussion. If you haven't already, I encourage you to like and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you listen to. As I mentioned, I enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you have topics you would like our podcast to discuss, or if you would like to discuss them yourself as a guest, please reach out to me through any of the podcast social media pages. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, adios.